0: First reading is Genesis 17, 1 to 16. The covenant of circumcision. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, "I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you." and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful, I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between you, between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring." Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, You are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her.
1: Thank you, Colin. Uh, And now, Pam, can we have a second reading?
2: Continuing Genesis 17, verses 17 to 27. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, "'Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? "'Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael, and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household and circumcised them, as God had told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Amen.
1: thank you very much um, that was quite a long reading and it was a bit long to give to one person to read on their own so i kind of used up both my readers reading the old testament reading so then i was stuck kind of thinking well i need a, need a new testament reading as well and i haven't got any other readers so i got a few of my mates and we knocked together a bit of a a bit of a uh, audio file for the for the third reading so Can we have our our third reading now, please?
2: Now, the main point of what we are saying is
1: this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything everything according to the the pattern pattern shown you shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them. This is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel after that time. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Thank you. Uh, And that that was Hebrews chapter 8, and I'm not actually friends with Samuel L. Jackson. That's uh, (laughs) uh, the Bible experience, which was a a set of discs that we bought years ago in in the States, I think, wasn't it? And uh, it was kind of handy. Lying on technology, and that's probably a mistake. Okay, so we've had an awful lot about covenants there. But what is a covenant? Well, with apologies to, there are several people in, in the congregation who know a lot, l- l- an awful lot more about these things than than me. Um, but a covenant is kind of like a contract. Um, and I did a little bit of contract law when I was at uni, but that was a very, very long time ago, and I don't remember much of it. Um, I just about remember Carlisle versus the Carbolic Smoke Company Limited, Um, and that's only because I looked it up the other day to remind myself who it was versus the Carbolic Smoke Bomb Company Limited because I could only remember the Carbolic Smoke Bomb Company. You don't forget a name like Carbolic Smoke Bomb Company, do you? Uh, Anyway, that was a case where someone had advertised something that they said would definitely cure you of flu, and it definitely didn't, so they got sued. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I suppose it is, because it was a contract that didn't work. They said, uh, in fact, what they would said was, if this doesn't make you better, we will give you £100. And it didn't make someone better, and they didn't give them £100. So that wasn't a fair contract. A contract's got to be fair. It's got to be this for that. And it's got to be clear, hasn't it? I give you this, you give me that. When you go to the shops, you hand over all the stuff, they ring it up, and they say, right, for all this stuff, you give me 59 pence. And you go, well, that's all right then, that seems fair. And you give them your 59 pence, and you walk home with your week's worth of shopping. (laughs) If only. (laughs) 59 pounds, more like. Um, and if you're making up a contract, you want it to be balanced, don't you? you know, we, all, we all know the, the, the scales with it, sort of balances out and it's, it's equal on one side to the other side and so there's, there's a balance. If I was offer, offering to sell my car to someone, I'd get someone else to tell me what they thought it was worth so that I knew that I was getting a fair price for it. And if I was then trying to charge someone two or three times more than it was worth, they would probably get someone else to look at it and go, it's not worth that, don't don't buy it for that so the point is kind of that really no no side should feel should feel cheated no side should feel like they've they've got a raw deal out of it if you went to the you know if you go to the shops and they want to charge you an extortionate amount of money for something you go oh, I'm not buying that and equally if you go to the shops sometimes things get mis mispriced don't they so you suddenly find a telly that's on offer for 50p or something because they've Got the pricing gun wrong, and you take it to the checkout. and You go, "I'm having this telly for fifty p," and they go, "No, you're not. No, you're not. That's not actually on sale for fifty p. We're not selling your telly for fifty p. We're not daft. The fair price is more like five hundred pounds for a fifty-inch curved ultra HD. I've not been researching. Don't worry." But then we look at the promises, these covenants, these contracts that God makes. Particularly in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament. And he makes outrageous promises. He makes deals. That if you look at the scales, and I'm going to say, make sure I try and get this right, because when I demonstrated it to Rachel the other day, it was completely wrong, and she laughed at me. She makes deals where we get all this, and what he wants from us, Looks like just this that what we get is an awful lot more than what God asks of us. Is it possible to get the the first reading? Uh, Sort of from verse 4. Let's have a look at what God promised Abraham. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. That's quite a a bold thing to promise someone. Next. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. So he's changing his name as well. um, Because Abram meant exalted father. And Abraham meant father of many nations. So God was even changing his name. See, you're not going to forget this promise because I'm going to actually change your name so that every time someone speaks to you, you will remember that you are going to be the father of many nations. You will not forget this. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. So not just, you know, you're going to have a lot of kids, but they're going to be annoying little brats. You know, I'm going to make nations of you. Kings will come from you. That's a huge promise to a guy in the middle of the desert with some sheep okay, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you. So it's not a time-limited offer. It's not, you know, over the next 20 years, I'm going to do all this, and then it comes to an end, like, you know, like your half-price line rental offer or whatever, and suddenly it gets jacked up to something extraordinary. Um, It's, you know, it's... You and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Because we're in an era when different different tribes worshipped different gods and, and it was all kind of, you know, my God's bigger than your God. And then God, the God who'd made everything, came to Abraham and said, I'm going to be your God. Never mind all these other ones that are around that people think can do stuff I'm going to be your God so when it comes to my God's bigger than your God my God created everything and never mind what you think your God can do my God does it all okay the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God so not just you're going to have a lot of kids which might not always seem like the blessing that it's meant to be and not just that you're going to create a royal line and not even just as it were that the God of all creation will be your God but see this land where you are now you're going to have that as well you can have that too which I'm not sure how the people who lived there at the time felt about it, um, and and they've not been particularly pleased about it since either. Says Rachel. Um, we might come on to that if I've got time. So that's a, but that's an outrageous set of promises from God. Any one of those on their own would be pretty, pretty crazy. If 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 you were in the quiet room praying and God came to you in a vision and made any one of those promises to you, you'd probably want to check yourself into the doctor to, to just give yourself a quick once-over because you'd be thinking, that that's just daft. What does God ask for in return? Well, from the men and the boys, what he wants in return is just a little bit. And that's it. Which... To be honest, thinking about it. Yeah, it's probably a lot more it's probably a lot more than it sounds <laughs> as it were. The thing is, this isn't even the first time God has made a promise or a contract with anyone. His first covenant that he made was with Noah and the rainbow. I promise never to destroy the world again in a flood. And it won't be the last time. In fact, if you read Genesis, between sort of chapters twelve and seventeen where we are now, God, ap- God appears to make the same promise to Abraham, or yeah, Abram at the time, three times. But a lot of sort of cleverer people than me reckon it's basically it's the same it's the same covenant all the way through. So the first couple of times God makes it as a promise without having anything back in return. And then the third time it becomes a covenant because God says, I'm going to do all this, and in return, you're going to give me this. And it's sealed. Um, and the, and the, word, the word to seal a covenant actually comes from, from cutting, the word, same word to cut, which is, which is why it was a cut. <clears throat> Moving on. So this is the point where the, The promises are sealed and become a covenant and an actual contract between God, who created everything, and Abraham, a man in the desert with some sheep. He then also made covenants with Moses, the Ten Commandments, Aaron, about the priestly line, and David. Although some some Bible scholars do argue that it's all just basically the same covenant in different formats. Because again, the promise to David was about the kings and we've sort of looked at that. It's the one that we quite often look at at Christmas that was fulfilled in in Jesus. And then our reading in Hebrews was talking about the new covenant. I'm going to try and look it up, which... Yeah, sorry, there was an error. Never rely on... Oh, no, never mind. Can you pass me my... Um, uncrashable paper Bible, please. <laughs> the one that doesn't rely on Wi-Fi. <laughs> Thank you very much, darling. So Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, so, sorry, it's a slightly different version from the one we had. Our high priest, and they're referring to Jesus, Jesus, sat down in the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. There he ministers in the sacred tent, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. And it says if he was on earth it wouldn't be an offering in the way we understand it because it didn't follow the the laws of of Moses. But then they're only doing a, a a pale imitation of what's required. So it's talking about the the death of Jesus and his sacrifice for us and his resurrection is is the new covenant. And Jesus himself said that. We remember that when we do communion, Jesus said at the Last Supper, "This is the new covenant sealed in my blood." So we've gone from a promise, specifically, really, to to Abram, Abraham, of being the father of many nations, that God would be his God, that they would take possession of the land of Canaan, um, to a promise from Jesus that says, you can all have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. But it's a covenant, It's it's a contract. There's got to be something in return for what we get. So what does Jesus want from us? It's something I've talked about before. He wants all of us. Not all of us here. He does want all of us here. But he wants all of you in return for all of him. Now, all of you is an awful lot to give because it is everything you've got. But in return, what you get is all of Jesus, all of God, all of eternity. Again, it's another outrageous promise that God makes. You can have everything I have in exchange for everything you've got. But just going back to the the Abraham. If Abraham had been sort of 20 when God had promised and come to him and said, you're gonna have lots of kids, he'd have probably gone, Okay, I can see that. I'm young and virile and you know, like you know, a bit like the photos we've seen earlier. I'm a action man. I can ah yes, I can have lots of kids. I'm not making any sort of prophecy here. Be careful though. Who have you got praying for you at your wedding? Because because we are Mr B. And he prayed that we would have lots of kids. That's why we keep making him pray at all their blessings as well. So if Abraham had been a young man, he probably would have gone, okay, yeah, I can get that. Yeah, I'll have lots of kids and they'll have lots of kids and I will be the father of many nations. Nice one. Abraham was 99 years old and Sarah was 90. 90. And I know there's a lot of debate about are ages in the Old Testament really the same because it says like Methuselah lived to nearly a thousand years old and were they really nearly a thousand years old or could they just not count? Did they just not, did they, had they not worked out how long a year was? Did they have a different way of working out how old people were? Abraham himself says, I'm nearly a hundred. I can't have kids. Sarah's nearly 90. What are you trying a pull here God and in fact I mentioned before that God had made the same promise earlier before he came and made this into a covenant and in between times Abraham and or Abram and Sarai had kind of decided to give God a bit of a helping hand and Abram had, had a, a child by one of his servants because they were sort, of, they'd sort of looked at each other and went we're not, it's not going to work here is it you and me you know, you're pretty old, but I'm also pretty old and this isn't go go and have a kid with her and then and then we've done it. We've we've managed to help God out here and we've made his promise work. But God says, No, that's 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 not what I meant. I meant you and Sarah. You and Sarah are gonna have a kid. So father of many nations seems outrageous enough father of many nations to a man who's nearly 100 and a child who's nine a, a, a wife who's 90 come back son that sounds even more ridiculous yeah you know sometimes you meet people and they've got one kid I used to work with a guy who's only got one kid and he said it's because that kid was such a nightmare they didn't want to have any more after. I wonder if sometimes when Isaac was kicking off in the middle of the night, did Abraham and Sarah look at each other and go, please tell me we're not having any more. (laughs) But God promised. Yeah, no, but there must be a way he can do this without us having to have any more. I'm now 102 and this child will not sleep. (laughs) You feel 102 when your kids won't sleep sometimes, don't you? I distract myself. We talked about the land at Canaan, and it's not without uh, relevance, I suppose, that there are all sorts of problems in the Middle East, and it's easy for people who perhaps want to to look at the Bible and say, religion caused all this. Well, maybe religion did, actually. But, you know, God caused this because God said they could have Canaan. The the understanding is that Ishmael, who was the the child that Abraham or Abram had with his servant, is the the father, if you like, of the the Arab people. And Isaac and Abraham is the father of the, the Jewish people. And Isaac and, and Ishmael never really got on and that's kind of spread and, and grown and and, and and we are where we are now. God makes outrageous promises. God makes promises that we listen to and we go, Well, well that 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 can't that can't be right, surely. If we trust God, God's promises will come to fruition no matter how long it might seem, if we start trying to help God out by doing things and taking things into our own hands, we just cause problems. We might think we're helping, but we just make it worse. It's like when your kids try and cook or try and help you wash the car and drop the sponge in gravel and then carry on helping to wash the car and then you've got to pay 300 quid for a respray. Not yet, thankfully, but you never know. I'm sure Alice is going to help some point. I've washed, I've cleaned the car with a pan scourer. Dad, thanks. If only you'd just left it and let me do it when you were older. Um, We keep trying to help God out and all we do is make it worse and we don't trust in him because sometimes he makes a promise and then it feels like it's ages before that promise comes about. we've got to remember that our time and God's time are completely different. He made a promise to Abram that he would be the father of many nations, and Abram didn't really quite believe it and decided to help out and made things worse. But God delivered on his promise to Abraham and changed his name to remind him before he delivered on his promise that he was going to deliver. That's probably why He'd gone from exalted father to father of many nations because he'd kind of forgotten and tried to help out. As I stop rambling and come to the end, we're in a time as a church when we're between ministers and we're looking for, at the moment, a special category minister because we've had a vision that we want God or God wants us to reach out to our community to look wider than just locking stumps and to look out to Birchwood. Now, I don't know whether you've all picked up, but over Easter, when particularly Steve, who's not here this morning, but Steve was meeting with um, Rebecca, who's the new vicar at the C of E, and Andy from BCC. Rebecca's a pioneer minister, for the C of E. The C of E have had a vision that they need to put a a vicar in at the transfiguration whose job is to reach out to the people of Birchwood. Andy is the mission director at Birchwood Community Church, which always makes me think of him sitting in a room full of computers looking at moon landings and things. But... We won't go there because BCC, who fund themselves entirely, had a vision that rather than use their money to pay for a a pastor in the normal sense or a a minister, they wanted someone who was going to lead their outreach into Birchwood. Three churches, the three churches in Birchwood have all had the same vision to reach out to our community. Now, many, many years ago, how many years ago was it, Colin, at Spring Harvest? Getting on for 20 years ago, we took a group of our young people, I think by that time we were, it was a mixed group of BB and youth group, to Spring Harvest. And one of the guys at Spring Harvest, was it Gerard Kelly? So, who was one of the sort of main stage speakers rather than just some random bloke that turned up speaking to our young people, was praying with our young people. And he gave a, a prophecy, if you like, a vision. Do you remember Bonanza? Dun, 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 dun. Let's all sing it. No. You know, at the beginning... It starts with the map, and then the flame burns through the map, and then the, and then the the flame burns out, and it all burns away. Well, basically, it was that it was a picture of the Northwest and a fire burning across the northwest, and the flame starting in birchwood and We came back from spring harvest super excited that 's basically when the youth service started. We all thought, this is it. God's going to set us all on fire. Well, he did, you know, and we're all going to go out and we're going to spread it and we're going to, you know, and and here we are kind of 20 years later going, "Did, did we miss it? Did it happen and we didn't look? Did we see it? We were both there, Colin and I, and we both believe it's not happened yet, but maybe this is it. It might not be. I'm not saying I've had a word from God, but what I'm saying is, God makes outrageous promises. God gives promises to a group of young people that a fire will start where they live and spread across the northwest. And then we get overexcited and we do stuff. And that wasn't wrong to start the youth service. And it wasn't wrong to come back from spring harvest on fire for God. But it might sometimes feel like God's forgotten a promise. God doesn't forget promises. So, this week, remember a promise that God gave or a vision that God gave through someone to some young people from our church that a fire would start in this community and burn across the northwest. Pray into that. Pray for God to guide us Pray for our, our meetings as we look for a new minister. Pray for BCC. Pray for the CAV. E. We're not in competition with them. We're not fighting over people. We're fishing in the same pond, as it were, but we're using different bait because we can't all catch the same people or we can't all catch everyone. I've had the privilege this week of of speaking to some very wise people. Sometimes actually face to face, sometimes by email. So I didn't quite know, and even, even as we were meeting to pray, I didn't quite know whether I was going to say what I've said or whether I needed to say something different because of everything that's happened this week. And two wise people told me, just go with what you think God's telling you to go with. I also had the privilege of being at our our, uh, our house group on Thursday night, where there are lots of wise people and me, um, and we were talking about everything that had happened, and you know, and this whole sort of thing, and and, and it, it it came up uh, later in the week on, on on Facebook. I don't know if you saw, but there was an attack in Egypt when IS attacked a bus full of Coptic Christians, and and 23, I think. Again, mostly children and, and young people and mothers were killed. And, and a friend of mine posted it on Facebook and there was sort of discussion underneath and someone said, will this ever end? And someone said, I don't think it will. And I was reminded of something that Ron had said in our, our house group, so I shamelessly nicked it and put it on. But when I was a kid, we couldn't see the prospect of an end to apartheid or the Cold War or the troubles in Northern Ireland. I grew up thinking that we would just always not like Russia and the communists would always have Eastern Europe and we would always be Western Europe unless there was going to be a third world war. But those things ended because God brought the right people in at the right time and it came about in his timing. So when it feels like there might never be an end to the Middle East problems or even just problems in your own life, Remember that God has a plan and that God works things out in His time. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word to us in the Bible. Thank you for all the people. That you've used throughout the ages to bring about your will. Thank you that you keep your promises, even if to us it feels like you've forgotten them. Father God, be with us this week. Help us to remember your promises to us. And help us to have faith that you will
0: keep them. In Jesus' name, amen.